This is the Locked On Nittany Lions Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Monday, December 2nd, 2019. Yes, we are into the month of December. Bowl season is nearly upon us, and of course the holiday season is already in full swing. Hi everybody, I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB, and I hope you'll decide to follow our show on Twitter as well, at Locked On Nittany. Head on over to our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. And of course, we want to make sure you're subscribing to this podcast on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, such as Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate the feedback, and it does help promote the show and help us grow on this various podcasting platforms. Coming up in today's episode, we've got a lot to dig into. Of course, Penn State taking on Rutgers over the weekend, finishing their regular season with another victory to go 10-2. We'll have some thoughts about that. Even though it was a sloppy weekend, there was some good news to come out of it. Pat Fryermuth coming back in 2020. We'll discuss that one as well. And now this is the time of year when the coaching changes are running wild. So we'll take a look at some of the latest headlines coming out in the coaching carousel. And of course, comment once again on the whole James Franklin situation moving forward. So again, lots of stuff to get into in today's episode. If you enjoy what you hear, again, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, at Lockdown Nittany. Get in your mailbag questions, because we're going to answer some of your questions this week on the podcast. And without any further delay, let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to imagine that a lot of people didn't take the time to listen to any of the podcasts late last week, especially on Thursday and Friday. Yes, we did have new episodes on Thanksgiving and on Black Friday, but I totally get it if you didn't get a chance to listen to those podcasts. So I'm going to refresh your memories a little bit or get you caught up to speed and let you know that I fully expected that Penn State was simply just going to blow away Rutgers in their regular season finale over the weekend in Beaver Stadium. In reality, I was really far off the mark, and I'm going to fully admit that. Now, I will say... I didn't necessarily think that we were going to see as many replacements in the starting lineup on both sides of the football as we actually did. Uh, Penn State was certainly banged up coming out of the Ohio State game, and it's been a long season for a lot of these players. So uh, we saw a lot of new faces getting some opportunities to get some key roles in some meaningful minutes on in Saturday's game against Rutgers. So you saw a lot of uh, guys that aren't typically your starting uh, players taking the field against a Rutgers team that I thought was going to come into this game just kind of going through the motions and ready to pack up and just be done with the season. I'm going to give Rutgers credit. Yeah, they certainly showed up to play. They were ready to play. They had some. They had much more energy than Penn State did early on. Obviously, they just didn't have quite enough talent to be able to capitalize on that. But they they made it a game going into the fourth quarter. So I don't know whether I should be applauding Rutgers for the performance that they had and the the spirit that they showed, or if I should really be critical of Penn State under these conditions. I'm not going to be too critical though, because like I said, there were a lot of players getting some uh, playing opportunities that they haven't typically had. And it was a holiday weekend. You know, the schedules are always kind of messed up, especially mentally, especially in these kinds of conditions. Coming out of a, a hard-fought loss at Ohio State, a team that can deliver a body bag game for any team the following week, the numbers show that. 
this was a not a great situation for Penn State to be in, but still we saw the talent eventually was going to pave the way to a victory. And again, a 27 to six victory. It's a victory nonetheless. And now Penn State has 10 of them. We're going to talk about that a little bit throughout the week because we won't have another game to look forward to for quite some time. And we're actually going to be killing some time getting ready for the potential bowl opportunity that Penn State has lined up. Well, obviously, this time next week, we'll know where Penn State is going as far as the Bulls are concerned. But for right now, this week, it's going to be a good opportunity to kind of reflect on the regular season. And as far as this game is concerned, there were some positives. You know, again, the defensive pass defense still needs some help. No matter who is back there in secondary, that has got to get cleaned up if Penn State is going to improve in the games to come, uh, the years to come, moving forward here. That's going to be a big weakness that they have to shore up through recruiting, player development, and just coaching. Uh, as far as the running game is concerned, not all that concerned about it. Journey Brown continues to show his value to this uh, program, and there are some other talented running backs in the mix here too. Obviously a little bit banged up with Noah Kane, but I still feel like the running back position is as solid a position right now as Penn State has had uh, across the board, especially on offense. So I'm not real concerned about the running game going forward. Journey Brown, another big game, and Penn State needed him to come in and make some big plays, especially in that fourth quarter, and he certainly delivered. Now, Will Levis got the start at quarterback after coming in to replace Sean Clifford last week against Ohio State. Sean Clifford did not play. Once again, I'm sure it's probably more of a precaution more than anything else. Uh, and I felt like against Rutgers, you could easily afford not to have Sean Clifford in the lineup here. So Will Levis came in. And he has some work to do with throwing the football. And you know the, the passing offense has been kind of erratic at times this season, no matter who the quarterback has been. So I'm not going to knock him too much. He certainly provides a, a spark in that running game as well. And uh, he, he's he's not afraid to take some chances when he's running the football, as we saw uh, a Saquon Barkley-esque hurdle attempt over a Rutgers defender. Uh, so Will Levis is uh, going to be a pretty fun player to watch here as long as he stays with the program. So I feel like offensively, as the season has gone along, Offense is hit or miss, and I think there have been far too many misses compared to the hits in certain key situations. Granted, they still got to 10 wins, so I can't be overly critical, but room to grow is the way I'll say it. And, you know, I don't think it's the worst offense in the world, certainly not the best offense in the world, but it's an offense that can benefit from some extra practices that they'll have coming up with the bowl season. Getting some players healthy is always going to be a key as well. But room to grow is the way I'm going to describe this Penn State offense moving forward. And I think that game against Rutgers, I think, I think really shined a light on that uh, more than anything else. So I don't think it's any reason to push any panic buttons. I certainly don't feel like uh, Penn State is uh, unworthy of a 10-2 season. They've earned it. They have earned a 10-2 season. And now we'll just sit back and wait to see how the conference championships play out. How the College Football Playoff Selection Committee updates their rankings on Tuesday night, which of course we'll talk about in tomorrow's episode. And then we'll get a sense for just where Penn State's bowl destinations are going to be. I still think there are some good options on the table, but coming up in the next segment, I'll discuss how some of those options we talked about last week may be a little bit more difficult to come by as far as where Penn State is going to be going in the bowl season. This is the Locked On Nittany Alliance podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Again, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. Let me tell you about one of our newest sponsors right here on the podcast, and that is Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook, 
and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA. Listening on the go? If you can't visit Audible right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Let's spend a few minutes now and talk about everything else that happened over the weekend in the Big Ten and maybe just a couple headlines out of the top 25. Let's stick in the conference first and foremost, of course, and we saw in the early noon afternoon, the big noon kickoff, if you will, number one Ohio State just absolutely shredding number 13 Michigan once again for the second year in a row Ohio State is just way better than Michigan a 56 to 27 victory Ohio State scores 14 points in all four quarters of this game Michigan actually started off pretty well they hung with Ohio State going into the second quarter trailing only 14 to 13 the only mistake was a Quinn Nordine missed extra point on the first touchdown of the game on the opening drive other than that, it was all Ohio State as uh, Shea Patterson had a, a rough afternoon. Justin Fields did not. J.K. Dobbins was just phenomenal in leading Ohio State past the Wolverines. And after the game, of course, Jim Harbaugh was asked about the gaps between his program and the Buckeyes. And I will say this once again, there are gaps between Ohio State and every program. But things are going to be a little bit more scrutinized when you're talking about Michigan, whose biggest rival is Ohio State. And really, the success you have against Ohio State or the failures you have against Ohio State are really going to ultimately dictate any coach's legacy as long as they are the head coach in Ann Arbor. Now, Jim Harbaugh's legacy is starting to look pretty grim right now as far as all the expectations and the actual results at the end of the year. Ohio State is now 5-0 against Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, so... Things are starting to get a little testy in Ann Arbor from Jim Harbaugh. He got a little tense with one of the questions directed at him, asking him what he thought about the gaps between his program. And, uh, you know, he was, he was not real pleased with it. But I think that's going to be the common theme moving forward here. I think we've uh, reached a turning point where things are starting to come to a little bit of a boil. Again, I think Jim Harbaugh is a really good coach. He's doing a lot of really good things at Michigan. But at some point, he's going to have to beat Ohio State and live up to some of the other hype and expectations that have been levied on him to deliver Michigan into the Big Ten championship race once and for all. Obviously, they've been close, but again, if you can't get by Ohio State, you really don't have much of a chance to play for the Big Ten championship. Just ask Penn State. Penn State's in a similar situation. They're still trying to get by Ohio State. They did it once, uh, but they're still trying to, to get past them once again, and Ohio State's just a ridiculously good program. Yeah, for my money, they're the best team in college football right now. I would have them as my number one team. We'll see where the college football playoff ranking has them on Tuesday night. They were number one. I still think they'll be number one, although LSU is going to make a case here. But the bottom line is Ohio State is one win away from the Big Ten uh, title. And, of course, that would send them into the college football playoff. They're going to be facing Wisconsin next week in a rematch of an early season uh, or game earlier in the season. Wisconsin went on the road against Minnesota. I thought Minnesota was going to win this one. I really did. I thought Minnesota was going to take it. Minnesota gets off to a quick 7-0 lead, just similar to the way they did against Penn State with a big pass to Rashad Bateman to open the scoring very early in the game once again on offense. Minnesota takes a 7-0 lead in the second quarter, and then it's all Wisconsin. Jonathan Taylor had a, a real impressive day. Only had 76 uh, rushing yards, but he had two touchdowns on the round, another one through the air. Uh, Jonathan Taylor made some big plays when his team needed it, and Wisconsin goes on and demolishes Minnesota 38-17. So in the AP poll, obviously, uh, Wisconsin does make a jump ahead of Penn State, and this is going to be something we'll talk a little bit more about tomorrow when we're looking forward to the next college football playoff rankings, uh, but it is something that's going to 
potentially impact the whole bowl situation for Penn State. Again, another topic we'll be digging into very soon. But uh, kudos to Wisconsin. Wisconsin went on the road and just took care of business against Minnesota. They get revenge for their loss last year. And now they are going to play for the Big Ten Championship and potentially, obviously, a spot in the Rose Bowl. Wisconsin's not going to get into the playoff, but a win against Ohio State would certainly send them to the Rose Bowl. And that'd be a heck of a year for uh, Wisconsin. You gotta gotta tip your cap to them at some point. And Wisconsin's been a really good team this year. Ten and two on the year. Only losses to Illinois. Not a great loss, but Illinois is going to the bowl season. And the other loss was to Ohio State. And uh, everybody's lost to Ohio State, so there's really no shame in that one either. Of course, uh, I just mentioned Illinois. Illinois actually was looking to clinch a winning record for the 2019 season, something that I don't think too many people could have possibly predicted at the beginning of the year. All they had to do was beat Northwestern in the final game of the regular season at home, and uh, they didn't. <laughs> Northwestern comes out with a 29-10 victory uh, against the Illini. They, they win that Lincoln hat trophy, whatever they do there. Uh, you know, a really strong way to finish the game for Northwestern, outscoring Illinois 12-0 in the fourth quarter alone. Kind of, uh, They already had the lead. They just padded it and kept that distance even greater. Uh, so Illinois is going to go to the bowl season. Northwestern season is done with a 3-9 record. Just one win in Big Ten play. And uh, I guess uh, at that point in the season, they'll take it since it's coming against their, their chief rival uh, from their home state of Illinois. So I'll be very curious to see where Illinois goes in the coaching, uh, or I'm sorry, in the bowl season this upcoming uh, week. I guess we'll find out all the bowl matchups. There was a fun one between Indiana and Purdue. A good quality win for Penn State uh, against Indiana continues to look a little bit better because Indiana outlasts Purdue in a double overtime, 44 to 41, getting them to eight and four. The hashtag nine Indiana is still on the table for the Hoosiers. Uh, depending on what their bowl matchup looks like, I think there's a pretty decent chance that Indiana could get there. So we'll take a look at that once we find out who Indiana is going to be playing. But yeah, Indiana 8-4, and 5-4 and four in the Big Ten, a winning record in conference play. First time, I believe, since 1993, if I saw that correctly. Uh, so it's been a long time coming for Indiana. We saw how good they are a few weeks ago against Penn State. This is a pretty fun Indiana team. Tom Allen actually had his name thrown into the Florida State coaching mix. Uh, so that's just something to keep in mind there. We're going to talk about some of the coaching changes that are out there in the next segment. Uh, but one last game in the Big Ten this weekend. Michigan State gets the bowl eligibility, climbing and scratching their way to a 6-6 six and six record uh, by winning against Maryland 19-16. Maryland had a 16-13 lead going into the fourth quarter, but Michigan State pulls it out and gets the bowl eligibility uh, thanks to a 33-yard field goal. With a little over two minutes to go, Michigan State is going to go to the bowl season. I don't know if that's a great spot to be in for the Spartans, to be honest with you. I feel like now it would have been a great time to get some changes going, but Michigan State's going to be going to the bowl season. So, uh, one other game in the Big Ten regarding bowl eligibility that I forgot to mention actually happened on Friday. Nebraska can't get the job done. They are 5-7 and seven on the year, 3-6 and six in the Big Ten after losing at home to Iowa 27-24. Iowa's kicker, Duncan, uh, nails the game-winning field goal with uh, just seconds to go, and he just taunts the heck out of Nebraska's sideline. Uh, he's got some swagger, I guess. But again, another good quality win for Penn State, and that's all going to come into play in tomorrow's episode when we start to look forward to the upcoming college football playoff rankings because Penn State's performance against Rutgers was not very inspiring, and a lot of teams ranked in the same territory as them in the polls 
really took advantage of some big wins over the weekend to kind of put themselves ahead of Penn State. But we'll see what the playoff selection committee does tomorrow. But we'll talk about that in tomorrow's episode. Obviously, the big news over the weekend, LSU big win, Clemson big win, Georgia big win. No real, uh, nothing really unsettling there. Utah got a big win. Alabama loses, though, against Auburn. So that knocks Alabama out of the college football playoff running entirely for the first time in the playoff era. So for the first time in the college football playoff, there will be no Alabama. That means we're going to get at least three teams in the playoff this year that were not in it last year. And that's going to be the first time that that has happened since year two of the college football playoff. So there are going to be some interesting developments in the next college football playoff rankings, but we're going to talk about that in tomorrow's episode. So make sure you're subscribed in your favorite podcasting app, such as iTunes and Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed because you're not going to want to miss tomorrow's episode before the next college football playoff rankings come out. And then, of course, on Wednesday, we'll react to the latest college football playoff rankings. Coming up in our third and final segment in today's episode, we're going to talk about a key player deciding to come back to Penn State next year and what that means for Penn State's offense in 2020. We'll also take a look at some of the coaching changes that are already underway, and we'll take a look to see just how James Franklin fits into the conversation at this point in time. Coming up in the next segment here on the Locked On Nittany Lines podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In all honesty, Penn State's performance against Rutgers probably didn't have a lot of people feeling very optimistic about the future, especially on offense for Penn State, because it was a sluggish performance, to put it kindly. But after the game, there was some good news coming out as far as the future of this Penn State offense is concerned, and that is that tight end Pat Fryermuth, one of the best tight ends in the Big Ten, has announced that he is going to come back to Penn State in 2020 play another year of college football before reevaluating his status for the NFL draft in 2021. This is a big development because as the last week or so have gone by, there was a revelation that Friar moved, even though he's a sophomore, would be eligible to come out early and declare for the NFL draft if he so chose because of his extra varsity experience, I guess, before uh, getting to his sophomore status here at Penn State. So this is a big development because, like I said, he is one of the best tight ends in the Big Ten. And while the John Mackey Award for the best tight end may not be recognizing him on that same level as some of the other top tight ends in the country, I think a lot of people feel that he was certainly worthy of being at least a semifinals for the award. Uh, that not being the case, he still is going to have some really good numbers this season. He's going to have over 400 receiving yards. He still has seven touchdown receptions. Uh, both are among the Penn State leaders and puts him in some really good categories as far as tight ends around the country are concerned. Um, you know, the yardage could be a little bit more compared to some of the other tight ends, but he's got seven touchdowns and that's nothing to, to bat your eyes at. I mean, this is a, a really good tight end and his decision to come back and be a part of this Penn State program for at least one more year is a big asset for them going into 2020. And why is that? Because, well, we still don't know what's going to happen with KJ Hamler. I believe he will be eligible to go out to the NFL as well. Don't know if he is. I think we're going to wait to find out any word on that. But I feel as though this offense, as I said earlier, has room to grow. And what better way to grow than having some of your best players coming back next year? Now, I fully believe that as long as Sean Clifford is still going to be the starting quarterback at Penn State, I'm not saying he shouldn't be, not saying he should be, uh, but if he is the quarterback, I think a year of experience basically as a starter this season 
is only going to help him improve forward because now he's got a lot of film to go back and evaluate what went right, what went right, what went wrong, where can they improve, you know, what can you improve? You know, some quarterbacks do have limits. So I don't know if Clifford has those limits or not, but I think there's certainly lots of evidence this season to show that Sean Clifford is, he's battle tested, <laughs> he is confident, and sometimes he has some moments where he probably tries it to force things a little bit too much. But granted, he's a young quarterback, and I've said this all along, young quarterbacks, they're not all going to be Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> but sometimes you need them to grow a little bit, mature a little bit, and kind of develop their game a little bit. And I don't mean this in a condescending way at all about Sean Clifford. I just think that that is in general terms, that's how I view young quarterbacks that are taking over for three-year starters like Trace McSorley. It's not always easy to do. And again, not everybody's going to be Trevor Lawrence. But that being said, I feel like there are a lot of good seeds on this offense to look forward in moving forward. Like I said, the running game, very strong. I, I feel very confident about the running game. Depends on whether or not they keep all of these running backs in tow. Uh, I, think, I think with the transfer portal and the frequency in which we see players move to the transfer portal, I, I think it's something to just keep an eye on to see if they can keep all these running backs here. Uh, but I do feel like as far as the running back depth is concerned, I think that's a pretty good situation for Penn State moving forward. Obviously, the, the wide receiver position might be a little bit different, especially K.J. Hamler does leave uh, because they do need some playmakers there. But they'll still have a top tight end in the Big Ten to rely on, and that is nothing to nothing to be uh, too regretful about. <laughs> That's a good situation to be in, especially with a quarterback like Sean Clifford or maybe even Will Levis or whoever. <laughs> I think that's going to be pretty interesting to keep moving forward with this offense. I think this offense is going to improve in 2020. I like their chances, especially now with Pi Frymuth coming back. I think you know, 10 wins this year. You know, getting to 10 wins next year, I think that's going to be the bar for success. And I think uh, 11 wins is not at all out of the question. But we'll talk about all that stuff later on in the offseason. We've got a lot of time to kill in the offseason, and that will certainly be something we address. Before I wrap up this episode, though, I want to touch briefly on the ongoing coaching carousel that is underway now in college football. Obviously, there were some changes made during the season, including the Rutgers, which I'm going to talk about in just a minute, uh, and in Florida State and Arkansas uh, over the last couple of days, and really on Sunday, Black Sunday, the first Sunday after the end of the regular season, there have been a number of coaching changes being made, and I'm not even going to name them all right now because there's just simply too many to go on, and I'm not going to touch on all the assistant coaching changes that are happening. But a lot of coaching changes are underway. Boston College has moved on from Steve Adazio. Missouri has moved on from Barry Odom. Uh, I think we saw UTSA move on from Frank Wilson. So a lot of these coaches are going to be looking for some new jobs. And, oh, the Ole Miss was the other one. Matt Luke has been canned at Ole Miss, of course, uh, leaving the door open for Rich Rodriguez to maybe move on to a new opportunity. He was the offensive coordinator there. And um, Mike McIntyre, defense coordinator there, also with some previous head coaching experience. Uh, he could be on the market. So a lot of coaching changes are underway. We obviously saw Rutgers did finally put together a deal and reach an agreement with Greg Schiano after it looked like they were moving on from that. I guess that was just a ploy to really drum up some uh, more interest or maybe some bargaining power. But really, it just seems like there were a lot of boosters that were not very happy that Rutgers moved on from Greg Schiano. So it's kind of the opposite of what we saw with Greg Schiano in Tennessee a couple uh, last year or two years ago, whatever it was. So this is an interesting situation because Boston College is going to have a new head coach. Rutgers has a new head coach who a lot of people around the Rutgers community really like Greg Schiano. This is going to be a much different situation for him 
in the Big Ten, though, because this is not the same Rutgers program. It is not the same conference. It's not even the same environment. So there are so many different things now that Rutgers is going to have to compete with that Greg Schiano is going to have his work cut out for him. This is not going to be as simple as turning Rutgers into a Big East powerhouse, <laughs> but this is going to be a much taller order here for Greg Schiano. I do think that it's going to be pretty interesting to see how quickly he can provide a little bit of a spark for this program. Uh, can he secure those New Jersey recruits that New Rutgers has been missing out on that were part of the process of building that team the way he liked it before? Uh, so yeah, Penn State could have some early recruiting competition to mess with, with as far as Rutgers is concerned. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't see how Rutgers can close the gap very quickly, if at all, against teams like Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Can they close it a little bit? Yeah, maybe early on, but I don't know if it has the lasting support. But again, we'll see. Greg Schiano is Rutgers' man. They got him finally. Uh, however, however they had to get to it, they got to it. So we'll see where they go from there. Uh, again, lots of assistant coaching changes are underway. Uh, I think, believe uh, South Florida actually moved on from Charlie Strong. So Willie Taggart may go back to South Florida as the reunions continue to be the trend here with UNC getting uh, Mac Brown last year and Greg Schiano going back to Rutgers and Ed Randy Edsel, of course, had gone back to UConn. Maybe Willie Taggart goes back to South Florida. But what does this mean for James Franklin? Well, we kind of touched on it last week. I, I don't anticipate James Franklin actually leaving Penn State. I think it's far more likely that he's just going to be getting a new contract extension. And it seems like that's what he was hinting at with some of his post-game comments after their win against Rutgers. Now, as of the time of this recording right now, I don't think there's been any update on James Franklin's contract situation. However, if and when that does become a factor, we will address it on the podcast. But it does look like I think James Franklin is more interested in re-upping his contract and working out a new deal with uh, maybe some more job security, more, maybe more years, maybe more money, whatever the case may be. I don't think he's leaving. Now, this is a reason this came up is because of the stories last week that suggested he had contact with Florida State. Florida State, I think, is not going to be getting James Franklin. It seems like they're going to be going a different direction. Some of the reports have indicated that he was one of their targets, along with a number of others like Matt Campbell at Iowa State. But it does look as though... Uh, Florida State is moving on. Uh, they're not going to be able to get James Franklin away. So I think if and when that USC job comes up, we're going to have to brace ourselves with some more headlines. But for right now, James Franklin's not going anywhere. That's the situation. We'll see what happens next, though, on the coaching carousel as the day goes by. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Nittany Alliance podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We've got all your teams covered from the NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, you name it, we got it. And, it. and of course, we've got Penn State football and a number of other college teams as well. So make sure you check out all of your favorite teams right here on the network. Get subscribed to all your favorite shows, including this one on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and iHeartRadio. You name it, we're on it. Whatever your favorite podcasting app is, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. We appreciate the feedback, and it does help promote the show on those various podcasting platforms. So any support you can lend us would be greatly appreciated, especially this holiday season. Now, of course, we want you to stay involved and stay connected and be a part of the show by following us on Twitter, at LockedOnNittany. Interact with us anytime, anywhere. If you've got a question, fire it away. We'll throw it into the mix for the next podcast recording in a mailbag feature as well. And we are also on Facebook at facebook.com slash locked on Nittany. 
Coming up in tomorrow's episode, we will take a look forward to the upcoming college football playoff rankings. There will be a lot to discuss in that episode as Penn State season is now in the books and they kind of sit back and wait to see just how everything else is going to play out in the conference championship weekend. We'll take a look ahead to some of the conference championship action going on around the country, seeing what you should be paying attention to. And of course, we will start to recap some of the thoughts from the regular season as we look forward to seeing just where Penn State's future is going to be going for the bowl season. So lots of stuff to get into in tomorrow's episode. Again, if you have questions and you want answered, we'll answer them. Just send them to us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. You can check out my national coverage and some additional Penn State coverage at AthlonSports.com as well as NBCSports.com's College Football Talk. Guys, I hope you have a great Monday. It's the month of December. Bowl season is nearly upon us, but we still have some stuff to wrap up as far as the 2019 season is concerned before we can worry about that. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully it gets you off to a good start this week. I know uh, the first Monday after a holiday weekend can be tough sometimes, but let's try to see what we can do to get you to go 1-0 today. Have a great Monday, everybody. Come back on Tuesday, and until then, I will talk to you later.